welcome to Beer in a Movie. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. The podcast where we combine two of the greatest. Because you were looking at the Nick Cage poster earlier that today. Is true, yeah. that's true. The podcast where we combine, we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts that is here every week, <laughs> Carlos Cooper. <laughs> With me as always, Dave Gurney. And who's not always here... Joe Hilliard <laughs> misses one week and I give him so much shit. I have oh, thoughts on. about last week's week. episode where I wasn't there, but let's get a beer in our glass. Okay, first. okay, yeah, I, and I did bring beer, but it, it, it was a rare episode where Joe wasn't with us last week. So, it, but it's fun to have Joe back with us. How do we feel week? about my episode title? Is it apt? Oh my gosh, I blanked on. Yeah, it me too. What, what was it? Help Joe's us. not here. No, it was a return of the Mac. Ah, yeah. Well, I. Well, I, I Ah, I'm sorry. I, I, it's sometimes I'm just clicking play so quickly that I don't even think about well, the title. Most, most I, I should are. pay attention, though. I should. The, pay the, new, the new beer and a movie's out. That's right. Push that's play. Right. Well, I put, I, put, I put effort into the titles. It's fine. I know you do, and you, we, we've even pitched in a little bit here and there. Tell but you. yeah. Anyway, let's pitch in right now with some beer. I think that'll help everything. This is from Repeat Offender Brewery. Uh, for us, ingenious. Yeah, one of our favorites. Yeah, I mean, the, the longtime listeners will think of the many beers that we've had from them over the years in many different styles. This one is a sour, um, and it's kind of a series. I don't know. I, I probably should have done the research, but it is, I think they do these Smarty variants, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing it's going for, like, you know, the Smarty candy, right. like this kind of, like, soury, sweet yeah, I candy. I like Smarties. This one is the Candy Apple. It's a sour ale with apple, <laughs> caramel, and peanuts. But sour apple is not a Smarties flavor. No. Oh, they're no, playing around with it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's just their sour designation, I right. think. So, yeah. Um, nice can art. Like, you know, it's an appealing label. 6.8% alcohol by volume. For sour. We've liked what I'll we've had. It. But I will tell you guys, I bought this as a four-pack a few weeks ago. I remember. And had a couple at home uh, with Aaron. And I was kind of there. I mean, look at the pour you just did. Yeah. What, what do you What do you think of the color? On I've this never one? seen a beer pour that color. <laughs> yeah, before. it's like a puke green. It is. It's like a murky sewagey green. Um, not. I, I think toxic one of the, sludge green. Because I couldn't even sell it as ecto cooler. I believe no, I was on. It's I was not vibrant on a, enough. I was on a Zoom with somebody, and and I had poured it, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, sorry, it looks like I'm drinking sewer water here, but I. I you know, tell you this is a beer, a legit craft. And I'll beer. tell you that the nose on this thing is like a what I would, you know, the smell of a sour apple. Yeah, oh yeah, like Jolly Rancher. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I think Jolly Rancher is a great, great place to go with the with the uh, aroma for sure. But you're right. The color is a little off putting, and I'm 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 hesitating taking this first. And there's thing. a little particulate, and I don't know. It's just like a murky kind of beer. It's 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 interesting. So I don't I don't want, you know, looks alone to have us judge this, but but the looks did actually right. get me to think, I need to see what these guys think about this. Yeah. Because well, thanks for bringing it. Yeah. Anyway. Um yeah, some family stuff came up last week and uh you guys scrambled to get Ethan, our the you know, founder co-founder of this podcast, a previous host. And it was great to listen as as objectively as I could because I'm usually in the room when we talk mm-hmm. and then I look forward to Wednesday's episode to hear what how Carlos puts the spin on it and and remember what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, this time I could I could listen to it like a any listener and yeah. know what you guys were going to say. I had seen both of the movies and I was really it was fun to listen uh, yeah. without being involved. 
quick quick take on each one like yes or no like or dislike oh yeah that's true let's hear I'm curious okay so the movies last week well the first one was Power, Power of the Dog, of the dog which the dog. of course is way up on the Oscar Derby list you know yeah, the, the, sure. about Benedict Cumberbatch yeah I uh, enjoyed watching the movie I was never bored it did not oh, for me have the <laughs> emotional wallop that it seems to be having on some of these like Academy mm. voters mm-hmm. I can't remember who said kind of the same thing okay um but, you know, the thing about the modern Western is that it would be helpful to see beautiful vistas, and Jane Campion certainly delivered here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie was gorgeous to see. Yeah. Uh, I would recommend it to people. Oh, here's my, my one take on it was that I'm learning as I get older and older, or as I age. Let me start over. I'm enjoying <laughs> these days going into movies as spoiler-free as possible. Yeah, that's okay. always my goal. And the trailer I will watch because that's what the movie is marketing to you. What killed this movie for me a little bit was a head, a stupid headline that I read on the day that the movie came out. And everyone has to jump on the idea of, I've got the news about this movie. Mm. And, the, and the headline was, uh, Power of the Dog and some other title, uh, uh, Sweep... Uh, like a queer cinema award ceremony. Mm. And I had no idea that homosexuality was a part of the mm. plot. And I would like to have had... So, and so the entire movie I'm watching, there's some gay stuff coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Only because this has been telegraphed to me. Yeah. And I would have really enjoyed having all of that told to me as mm. Jane Campion intended. Yeah, and yeah, not these stupid that. spoiler headlines. Yeah, I, did, I, I didn't know that going into it. So I was... I I viewed it the way that you wished that you had. <laughs> yeah. So so, but generally positive, yeah. just maybe not quite as walloping uh, as, right, as right. some critics are saying. Right. And, and then the, with the harder they fall, I enjoyed watching that movie so much from start to finish. Uh-huh. Uh, I understood what I think you, David, said about some of the style being distracting. I I, I, I kind of agree with you <laughs> on that, but I small small sure it, yeah. it is presented as just a fun ride, and yeah. I had that ride. Good. Uh, I would recommend that movie, to, oh, especially excellent. for folks that are interested in this this notion of back-to-back neo-westerns. Nice. Back-to-back new release westerns, this one, of course, being very neo-realistic. Very cool. Yeah. Well, but I was I would say, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to do this in After Hours. I've got it written down, so I'm not going to okay. forget. Uh, t- tell you a little bit more about the movie hour, the uh, mm-hmm. the podcast that precedes this one and the radio show. And then I've got a question for Carlos, but I'm only going to ask it now if we promise to wait and talk about it later if you can handle that i would say ask it later uh, or Je- no ask it now but it, it, he wants to tease jesse it. plemons mm-hmm. y'all talked about how yeah. he's kind of got that same role that he does over and over to some degree or another mm-hmm. i don't understand but you like jesse plemons carlos am i right mm-hmm. i don't understand the difference between adam driver and jesse plemons as far as you're concerned Ooh, okay podcast after hours to say but where he it's gonna go down to all right all right y'all don't let me forget that question yeah. okay Oh, so yeah, this week. This week's movie. <laughs> I feel like I've talked too much. It's time for somebody else to do no, it. No, we got uh, you If you guys don't mind, I'm going to synopsize Come On, Come On, the film we're talking about, Mike Mills' new film. It also is getting a lot of Oscars talk. Um, this is a black and white film. It stars Gabby Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix as brother and sister, who we learn in flashback that recently lost their mother. She is a uh, divorced mother. Herself, Gabby Hoffman is, of a young boy named Jesse. Does anyone recall his age off the top of their heads? I don't know what they say explicitly, but I think he's like 10 or something. Um, 
her ex-husband Jesse's father is having some uh, help me mental mental uh, health issues, mental yeah. health issues. Thank you. And she is like his only person, so she needs to go help him and asks her brother, Joaquin Phoenix, is kind of emotionally distant. Uh, it, they had some problems with mm-hmm. after the death of their mother. Um, watch her son for a couple of days while she goes to take it. That gets prolonged into a week and then even longer. And he is a kind of an NPR, I guess, um, producer yeah he's going around the country his assignment currently is to interview children on the state of the world the state of the future their thoughts on everything yeah and he that has to continue so he takes jesse the young boy with him to new york one-on-one and that is where they really kind of begin establishing even a stronger bond as he has to basically parent this child who's a little precocious a little difficult to parent and then they begin changing one another yeah. While he continues doing these interviews and we see these perspectives of all kinds of children about all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. It's a black and white film. It's uh, shot very uh, starkly. The, the, the cinematography is very stark. That black and white really pops. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear how you guys, what you guys thought about this one. Yeah, going into this movie, I mean, I, I had heard that they were going to remake Uncle Buck, but I didn't know they were going to take it in this direction. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, yeah, much different, much different, different tone. Much different than the original. <laughs> right, um, right, right. I never took Joaquin Phoenix as a John Candy analog, but, you know, they took some bold steps here. <laughs> That's my big bit for the episode. Yeah. It's a good bit. And Joaquin, but, but, do, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix putting on a very human role, a very sh- like small role compared to what we've seen him in a lot recently. Sure, I mean, I I think... It's no Arthur it, Fleck. Sure, and good, good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see him shift gears so profoundly here. Uh, but it's back to something that he's done before. A lot of people have compared it with his performance in Her, yeah. and yeah, there are sure, other films. Sure. Like, he's done this, like downbeat kind of muted somewhat right. um emotionally flat kind of character who who then comes out of his shell in various ways and the, the, um it's great it's great to see him in that mode yeah woody norman i think does a tremendous job that's a kid here, right and he's getting universal praise pretty much with, with some exceptions some people find him like um unpalatably irritating i've seen that i can't imagine thrown. he's amazing in this movie i agree i agree i found him really endearing in fact as I was looking at, I only looked at reviews after the the movie, after yeah, seeing it. But when I same. looked and I saw the few, it's mostly universal praise, but the few negative ones really hone in on these people are terrible. I hate these people. Hmm. I don't want to even spend one second of my life thinking about these people. And if you're that repelled by these people, that's a little scary to me. These aren't that threatening of people. And and they're, they're very, it's about, it's a movie about getting in touch with your emotional um, experience, being able to express that to other people, being able to connect over it, being able to sort of um, let each other do things in their lives that they need to. Uh, human understanding. Yeah. And I get it if it's a little twee. I get I get it. It's like it's a, it's a particular, these are white people, middle age, uh, very coddled life in its own way, even though it has its tragedy, it mm-hmm. ha- has its trauma, but they're re- financially, they're relatively secure. They don't seem to seemingly want for things, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I can see that that probably does great on, on some people's nerves, but I think that baggage is, is sort of to me, superficial. If you're, if you're going to focus on that for this film, because I think there's a lot to be had in terms of just those smaller 
moments of human connection. I mean, this is a film mainly about a brother and sister reconnecting over some miscommunication or different different opinions that they had, diverging opinions about things, but very important things about people they love. From a very emotional event. Right. Well, the mother's death and the handling of the husband. Sure, both very emotional events when sometimes you're not at your best. Right, right. In in the wake of those kinds of things. Yes, people saying things somewhat heatedly, sure. but also just having different perspectives on like, is it better to coddle the delusions of a dying parent than it is to coldly reject them and make her stay in bed? You know, like it, that's one of the big mm-hmm. things that we see played out in a flashback. And, you know, that's a that's a pretty there's no right answer there. Right. I mean, there are these moments that you see in this film where there's not a right answer. And what you're left with is how these people decide to, you know, deal with that and get through that. And obviously they, they disagreed then, but they can connect back together later. And that's, I don't know, a beautiful little message that yeah. this film, I think, brings across. Lots of nice moments. And more profoundly even, him connecting with the nephew, who he does not spend that much time with normally. And kind of having, as the nephew is coming of age and getting closer to being a young man... And really having this kind of profound impact on his mm-hmm. life, you, you can tell, right? I mean, that that's that's another big part of that. So if you like Woody the Norman... The nephew who's absent of a father, strong right. male figure. Now, I wanted to ask a question, though, because I kind of talked about this with Aaron, and, and we didn't exactly align, and, and some other people like... How do you take his character? Like, because the father has mental illness. Mm-hmm. The, the father is bipolar, most likely. I don't know if they actually say that, but it seems like... They explicitly state yeah. what's wrong with him. Um, but a very heightened version that it involves a, some degree of paranoia. And, you know, anyhow, do you take it that the child is exhibiting some mental illness symptoms? Like, I do. I think that he's got some mental health things that he's not, like, he's not able to connect with other children, obviously, whether that be an autism or something like that. I don't know. I, I understand your question. And I had the same question for about five seconds and then made myself dismiss it. Okay. Uh, not only because I, it just, I, I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to say no. That failure to connect with other people is there, but I mean, I'm, who am I to, to diagnose? It's to me, it was just really like the father is in these dire straits and that's his mm-hmm. understanding of, half of what you mo- think the, he's acting the main adults that are there he's... and then the the single mom relationship that he has with Gabby Hoffman uh-huh. she loves this boy and she's caring for him in the best way that she knows how right but it might be a situation where having an influence like a uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in this case uh-huh. could benefit the right. dude you right. know but yeah he has trouble connecting especially in times of high anxiety yeah the boy does and that's just to me was his character Mm-hmm. What are some examples in the film where he has trouble connecting? Well, he says he has no friends. I mean, you, you don't see him interacting with children, but he there are there are a couple times where he talks about n- having no friends mm-hmm. and that Johnny is his only friend, and the, you know, like this. So that that's a little strange for a nine year old boy. A little strange. <clears throat> n- not totally. You know, there there's there's people beyond that. The obsession with the the story he wants told that he gets to play act that he is a an orphan right. who needs a family and that he's going to come in with with a lot of interest in having there be a morbid backstory to why there's an opening in the household for him to 
to be able to fill. Um, that seemed a little strange to me. And again, I know people can cock these, but the whole constellation of that grouped with his dad having these issues um, made me think that, yeah, I think this this kid is a little special needs, not like in a... Yeah, I understand. A, but bright, incredibly bright. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, but just emotionally, mentally, there's some stuff there that needs to get worked through. See, I think that's more what it is, is that he seems to have like a bit more of an emotional intelligence than maybe a kid his age normally would. Fair. Like he seems to have a stronger grasp on the things that are happening around him than you would expect from a kid his age. Mm-hmm. And that would definitely alienate you from your peers that don't have problems. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I definitely, I, I, and then, you know, the other bit about his fantasy or whatever is could easily be a defense mechanism to like having a broken family and thinking right. his dad doesn't work. Right. I'm not stuff, saying, you know? well, I'm not saying there isn't roots to why he's no, mentally sure. imbalanced, but it, I, it, just none of it, none of it struck me as mental illness. Mm-hmm. More just struck me as either logical consequences of being smarter than the people around you, mm-hmm. or fairly normal coping mechanisms for a kid his age mm-hmm. to deal with a fractured home and some of the things that were going on. Yeah, yeah, fair. which you know, which is. Which is one thing we'll talk about more when we get into the second half of the episode is that like kind of the emotional core of each of these films, like the difference between a nine year old and like a 15 year old being kind of sure. like the center of it. And mm-hmm. like the difference between being able to like sympathize and empathize with characters of different ages and how much you can like relate to them. Yeah. I, I liked this movie just fine. When we left Kylie and Josh are both just like, one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh my God. And I was just like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Like on it, you know, I've honestly, I'm like, I, I, I hate to say this and I don't really mean this in a negative way, but I've forgotten a lot of what happened in this movie already because it didn't like, I liked it and I thought it was good. I thought like when I look at it objectively, the performances are great. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was shot lovely you mm-hmm. know um there isn't anything about this movie that i don't think is good but i don't know it didn't just it didn't pull me in really tightly mm-hmm. in the I, way that a film like this maybe normally would yeah um definitely did to kylie you know it definitely um, did for me i mean i what kylie and josh are describing is very much I'll, how be the, I I'll be the fourth in y'all's party walk out of it i you know this movie had me from frame one i loved the the music choice the music selections throughout like that helped tremendously that's okay joe it's better made, in the next movie joe made mention of the black and white cinematography i think this film is just shot impeccably yeah. like everything is just lit I don't Not, know that the black and white cinematography makes a ton of sense, though. Oh, I do. I, I do. It's, it's necessarily a, in service. Think of the about film. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 No, because they're globe trot. I mean, well, country trotting. They're going to Detroit, uh, New Orleans, L.A., New York. These big cities that I feel like with vibrant color cinematography, you'd be like drawn into the the city. Those skyline shots and stuff. They have this vibrancy. When you mute it a little bit with the black and white, it has like a more kind of staid and like. It was somewhat romantic, but very like kind of drier feel to it. I mean, I liken it to, and I hate to even bring this film up, but Manhattan, right? Seeing Manhattan, seeing the New York of Manhattan, meaning the Woody Allen film Manhattan. Oh yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, 
ver, you know, versus the New York of Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver, right? right. Like rain-soaked streets, New York, lights, you know, like red lights glaring. There's a big difference. It a big mutes difference it to me. And so you think about that. New Orleans, Detroit, this film would have had a totally different tonal feel mm-hmm. if you had gone with color cinematography in these cities. The yeah. lush greens of Central Park. You know, That's I mean, fair. That's fair. I, I, think, me, it, it allows- I think it's totally a beautiful and intimate choice. It makes a film mm-hmm. that could have felt very big and expansive with its locations, very intimate right. and very close. And beautiful. I mean, like it made me focus more on the texture and the kind of uh, again the shading. It just I love his. He loves trees, obviously, right? You yeah. see that in Twentieth Century, which we're going to talk about in the, next in the days of color film. It is we we have color film. The black and white is an sure. obvious choice that is to be made for a purpose. Mm. And in Schindler's List, we understand the purpose because we're going back it's to not, the forties. Yeah, Belfast, we understand the purpose. A film we hadn't had a chance to right, talk about. Right. Maybe we will in the near future. Belfast, uh, Kenneth Branagh. It's in this. It's in that '60s. So let's go ahead and create sure. the tone of the pa- of yesteryear with a black yeah. and white palette. This, David, I completely agree. This allows Mills, and I really began to kind of notice it when I was looking for it, to focus our attention on certain parts of the frame. The black and white, I think, does that. They're walking through those majestic trees. I think that they're in New, New Orleans. Orleans, yeah, and. Um, they're small while we see the tree scale mm-hmm. and the whole image is just stunning. You know, yeah. I, 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 I appreciated the black and white here. It didn't, I didn't give it much thought. And Carlos, I, again, the old, as we continue to do this, I am so forgiving of people that have a different viewpoint because yeah. I understand exactly uh, what you're saying. But for me, this exploration into the human condition specifically parenting and what children in your life can do family family certainly reconnection with family that was previously estranged the idea of her duty to her ex because this human needs this help but she has that was and and that was interesting how they handled that too with um scoot mcnary as the uh the husband who really almost has no lines. And I mean, there are a couple times you kind of hear like a, a muted version of mm-hmm. what he's saying, mm-hmm. but it's mostly because it's being relayed mm-hmm. to Johnny via um, the sister, which I'm forgetting. And this uh, tragic, Viv, the, yeah. this tragic scene of the father playing while he's in some level of good mental health with his son yeah. Yeah. and knowing that he is leaving yeah. and that the mother is an honest mother and is telling her son exactly what's going mm-hmm. on, which I don't know if that's the best tactic or not, but it's certainly her choice. Oh, oh we can talk about whether you should let your kids believe in Santa and after hours, patreon.com slash beer and podcast. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this, this actually. A, there this is, is a point of discussion. There is a scene where they're in New York and uh, they need to buy the young man a toothbrush and they are in a bodega or, you know, a, a Manhattan style small little supermarket thing yeah Yeah, and uh the boy begins pushing for the animated plays music toothbrush Mm -hmm. and joaquin phoenix not this kid's parent is saying don't just get a regular toothbrush that's your mom wouldn't allow you that and that fight that 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 was real that was that was as if we were eavesdropping on any parents trying to get anything from their I'm sorry, any child trying to get anything from their parent that their parent doesn't want to buy them at the drugstore. Uh-huh. Uh, the, and the film was filled with these kinds of real moments that for me made it so easy to relate to the movie because I can see what he's trying to do. That's true. Show real life yeah. and how real life is as interesting as MCU. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's true. Whether or not... I love this movie. 
I, I'm glad you did. Yeah. And, I, and I definitely loved it as well. Um, I texted y'all, come on, come on would be worth our time. Yeah. And that's, well, all the, that's all the spoilers I could give. I, and I wanted to make sure we knew it was here. I mean, th- this was one, even though I've... It's here for two weeks. Yeah, although, still here. Although down to one showing a day at yeah, nine forty-five, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I, I wish I could say it was faring better, but, um, but yeah, I really did enjoy this film. Like, I did get into it right away, but I'm, I'm sympathetic to it. Might not be everybody's cup of tea. Like I said, I mean, it's it's getting into these characters and really wanting to be there with them. And if they put you off in any way or don't draw you in strongly enough, then yeah, I mean, this Sir, is not they- gonna feel. Yeah, they like cer- I, yeah, satisfying they cer- enterprise. They certainly didn't put me off. Good. When Josh saw it with us, it was his second time. Yeah. And when we walked out, you know, he asked me about it, and I was just like, "Yeah, it was good." I don't think I'll ever watch it again, though. I don't think it's one of those where I feel like I need to see it again. Hmm. I was in a situation where I saw it by myself and didn't, you know, didn't even have the opportunity to ask Aislinn if she wanted to go with me, but I left saying when this is available streaming, because I doubt we'll be again, able to yeah. get to the theater, I'll watch it as quickly as I can. I'm going to watch it with the girls when it, when it comes on streaming, because I didn't bring them because it is rated R, which is ridiculous, because it is only due to Couple maybe a few words yeah. that get dropped in the right, film, yeah. which is crazy cuckoo bananas. Like, I was waiting for something. I right. Literally, I was waiting for something exactly. violent or sexual to happen yeah. It's a, it it's not there. It's one of the sweetest films of the year that that you're gonna see. I mean, I I would put this right next to, uh, I don't care, Encanto on a double bill, and you know, right. a couple fucks aren't gonna kill the the children. So anyway, I I look well, forward to might. watching this one again. We have a title. And yeah, a couple of fucks aren't gonna kill the children. Is I don't know long. that 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 could it's get taken long. some bad directions too Ooh, yeah that too i didn't think about that i, mean, I was I, just thinking lengthwise f-bombs would be better if a couple of f-bombs could kill the children i don't know that might be bad too all right we Let's don't have a title for the episode title. so it's clear joe and i love this film yeah, love heartily it. recommend it I carlos seems it. a little lukewarm but is at least abiding and and saying okay you you guys I can certainly like didn't it. have any problems with good, it good good well i'm gonna we'll talk to kylie on our way out and make yeah, sure yeah. That, <laughs> someone smart's gotta be make in sure house. she knows that the rest of beer in a movie is with her on on this one. Oh, i think she knows oh good <laughs> on this one well we poured us ourselves a sewage green beer we did I right I was kind of like trepidate trepidatively trying to approach it well again yeah one that i actually had to apologize for the look of it on camera uh, at, at a certain point funny um well yeah david you've had it you've had sure. it. you've had it before Carl's- i like it I think it tastes good. It took me two good sips to it kind of weird. get into the thing. And then that third and fourth, you know, the rest of the journey was was very, very positive. Yeah. Um, that Those first couple sips, there was a thud on the back end. I didn't know if it was going to work itself out. But I think It's that, a peanut. I don't know. Hmm. The peanut is an interesting addition to it's this a good point. flavor profile. I, I have not focused on the peanut in any it's of my there. drinking of it. And you're probably right. I need to, I'm going to take another sip. But it definitely could be tartar, given the nature of a Granny Smith, which is obviously the well, apple. That but 6.8 is hidden. I mean, it, sure. it is it's hidden for sure. I was going to say, I, I was surprised at how modestly sour this was when I drank it. I thought it was going to be puckeringly sour. I would have, based on what I know about Granny Smith apples and Granny Smith apple flavored things, 
I they definitely really, expected a much yeah. more puckering jaw hinge type of situation. But there's a this nice sweet. Yeah, there's a the sweet caramel sweetens it. that kind of balances it out. And I think you're right. That's justified with the caramel. The the peanuts now that I'm focusing yep. on, I get, I'm getting that. The in thought there. at the end is that peanut flavor, so. which feels to me a little out of place compared to sour. Just, that's not two things that you would put together. Yeah. But um, it's interesting. This, this beer generally works. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like it. Good. Okay. So I, I I guess that was the question that I had when I brought this is that can you get over the unappealing visual of this beer? It was a weird choice to yeah. well, we enjoy drink the flavor. Yeah, but hazies kind of have a prettiness too. I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes they got like, those floaters in so, there. No, I've seen some ugly ones, but a lot of them are kind of have a pr- pretty, you know, silkiness to them. They just kind of like look appealing. Orange juice, you know what I mean? Like I think so, orange yeah, juice. But there was is like appealing. the. Um, not the blueberry. Um, oh, yeah. The strawberry oh. one from uh-huh. Ingenious this year. That one had some Chunks. murk. Yeah. Some yeah. chunkiness. Yeah. I don't I know. I still drank that gladly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, if the flavor's there, I'll go with it. But it, but it, it, this came pretty darn close to, to, to just turning me off based on looks alone. I'm yeah. glad that I it's looked. It's a weird look. Yeah. I'm glad that I was able to see past that exterior to get to the deep flavor of, of and a beer. blind taste test you would never pick out no the, the I, I never this would is have. when you want to take the brewmaster out for a beer and say what what, what was up with that color what were you what, thinking what i mean you probably have a fantastic reasoning right what, what was that could have been accidental yeah it could be might have been well could have just been like we're gonna put all these things in a beer and then it came out that color and they were like well be them trying to get maybe. a shiny green to match the, the, the skin of the apple yeah, yeah. could be yeah but well we may never know or maybe we'll get to ask them someday but uh you know either way I think we have. They'll invite us to the tap room one day. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, hopefully. The, uh, I think at the very least we did a nice job walking through um, this latest entry in the Mike Mills oeuvre. But uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, our our opportunity to walk backwards through that oeuvre and and see what it was that he did right before this one. When we return. And we're back! We did that at the shop. Hello! All right, we're back. We're... We sure are. Trying to figure out... What? Going through the beer and a movie records to figure out how how many times we have had a version of this beer on the show. I don't think think we've ever said this matter-of-factly, but we would be in an absolute state of disarray without joe hilliard oh yeah we should all props to joe for being yeah, last year last week when i wasn't here you looked into on the map to see if we had done evil twin before <laughs> that's and true we had and you couldn't find well no it. wait I but it wasn't evil it, twin no. it was uh it was colorado brewery it was uh it was a collab right that yeah with uh th- 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 so every oh, shoot. the next day after we record i ask y'all what did we drink last night yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. sure that's very annoying and you sent it to me i put it on a spreadsheet you put it on the spreadsheet what and it's we, great because yeah. then we we have it recorded so we found out by counting through the spreadsheet four times this well, will be the fourth. I, I would this say the, the i would say this is the third yeah, technically right. the fourth but the third time that we had right any variation of this beer i was altering it with my own that's right there was a there was a shenanigans right so let's just say the beer okay. is the beer is from Goose Island, Bourbon County, the original. It's that time of year. Barrel aged stout. 
Um, this is the brand 14 stout. It's a stout aged in rye whiskey barrels with cassia bark, whatever that is, cacao nib, panela, again, whatever that is, and coconut water. This is the uh, 2021 version of Bourbon County, a variant of that version. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinese it, the label thing is uh, a panela's what? Chi- uh, the uh, cassia bark is also referred to as Chinese cinnamon. It's a variant of cinnamon. It's okay. a type of cinnamon. Okay. Um, yeah, it's got a very nice like Chicago flag kind of color themed. Gotta love that. Label on it. Love that. It is. Oh, boy. They're always right up there. And so we had, I think we had like a blueberry version of this with Young Adult. Uh, Episode 13. like that, yeah. We had the one where I added a bunch of bullshit into the normal It was the straightforward, but you had added Butterfinger French press that thing. I put it in a French press and and I kind of added my own adjuncts Complimented El Mariachi. Yes, and then for our best of 2020 episode, we had the Kentucky Fog variation, which we were all very high on. That was tea, Earl Grey, Earl Grey, and there were I think some vanilla. Yeah, that was good. That one was was really good. And and on After Hours, we had one once that also went with a great saga of beer and love and loss and pain, uh, you know, betrayal, right? so if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you don't know what the fuck's going on, and it's because you're not... What was uh, the name of that variant? That, that was the birthday, birthday bourbon. Right, and yeah. that was... Listen, spend the money to get on Patreon just to listen to those two or three episodes, because <laughs> that was a fantastic little saga that yeah, ended yeah. in us getting a pretty great beer. was a funny one. Um, well, and it did one of us getting a pretty great beer. Well, we all shared it, though. We all shared it. I bring my good beers to you That's guys. right. Thank you, Joe. Um, well, I'm excited to try this one, that, as you've Pour just described stick it. and ooh. If you hadn't told me what Cassia Bark was, I would have figured it out. Really? The cinnamon's there? <clears throat> yeah. Big time. Ooh, exciting. So tell me the adjuncts again. Cinnamon? Cassia or, bark, yeah. cacao nib, yeah. panela, don't know what that is, and coconut, coconat water. 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 Coconut water. That's a <coughs> first time for me. Ooh, I'm getting yeah. the cinnamon too. That's a lovely Big time. nose. Oh, I'm excited for this. Oh, 13. Pour is nice and thick. Whew. Light, uh, light carb. Light carb. That's true, but carb. I yeah, mean, it's, it's not flat. It's not like a flat. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. We had some of those the other night. I'm gonna we put did. off sipping it just for one second. Let me just smell this while David tells. You're kind of right. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna wait and take my sip after. Uh, okay, so we are going back just one film. Okay, M- Mike Mills has only done four feature films yeah. at this point in his career. He, he's uh, well known for work that he's done outside of of uh, feature filmmaking. He was a music video director for many years. For those who were uh, alive to see the 90s. You may remember some of those videos from the band Air when they came along, um, some other... Anyway, so, you know, kind of known as a music video director, but in the mid-2000s, made his first feature, Thumbsucker. Uh, A few years later, followed that up with Beginners, which was a more autobiographical film, kind of about his relationship with his father when his father comes out as gay. Christopher Plummer won the Oscar for that performance. Yeah, Ewan McGregor as the as the son. So, um, you know, got accolades for that. Um, stepped up. That film, I liked it, but it didn't it didn't land strongly with me. And I kind of skipped this one when it came out, which um, you know, for better or worse, we'll talk about that in a moment. Twenty sixteen comes along, and he releases Twentieth Century Women, um, which 
features Annette Benning in kind of the lead role there uh, as Dorothea Fields, uh, the, the mother of a 15-year-old boy, Jamie, who um, run a boarding house, essentially. Mm-hmm. They have an old house that's kind of in disrepair, and they're constantly fixing it out, or that, that's part of what's going on throughout the film is that they're fixing up the house. Um, you know, Annette Benning is the mother. Uh, Lucas Jade Zuman, who I don't think I've ever seen in anything else other than this, uh, playing the 15-year-old Jamie. And then uh, Border, they have Billy, played by Billy Crudup, William, who who's kind of the guy who's doing some of the repair work and kind of a surrogate father work. figure kind of yeah. wants him to be, but doesn't quite. Uh, Dorothea w- wants William to be that. Right, right. They, William and Jamie never really connect. right. Um, and then we have Abby, who's a photographer, uh, being played by Greta Gerwig, favorite of the show, yeah. uh, put it out there. Uh, Elle Fanning, playing this 17-year-old friend of Jamie's, Julie, who kind of has left home, essentially, without officially leaving home, and basically lives with them. She um, lives at home. Sleeping in Bill. Yeah, but she's mostly there. And, she has and, her yeah. belongings at home. Fair, okay. But, but yeah, she sleeps But sleeps there Jamie's and night, is basically. in most scenes in the house. I don't know. Anyway, so this kind of like ragtag family that's put together. And, you know, it's part coming of age story for sure, but also part this kind of slightly um, odd random assortment of people as family movie. And, and you know. Chosen it, family. Yes, right. And and some of the only con real conflict there being Dorothea being concerned about Jamie, what kind of man he's going to become, how she can bring the right influences into his life and very overtly mm-hmm. trying to do that with William and to some ex- and and to an even greater extent with Abby and uh and Julie. Yeah. Yeah. This movie I loved. Okay. okay. All right. It's in color. Every, Carlos uh, does have a heart. A Christmas miracle, folks. Everybody, everybody was looking around like, who's going to say something first? I'll say something first. I love this movie. The music selection is better. Uh, well, it's set in a certain moment. I didn't uh, yeah. ma- make mention. This is set in 1979. It's also loosely autobiographical, yes. right? I mean, it's kind of the follow-up to his father's story is a story of him actually being raised by his mother, who who is much more involved mm-hmm. in his life when he yeah. was a teenager. Living on the outskirts, right? Santa Monica, they live Santa in. Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. We should have paired this with Psych the Movie. Oh, there you go. Just outside uh, the LA area, and so there's there's yeah. several scenes where they go into LA. It's a very LA. sleepy town. Not where a they lot live, happens right. in Santa Barbara. Right. It's very kind of just you know people surf and they hang out and it's not there's not a lot there's of hustle and bustle there. Anymore. Yeah. What you love about it? Uh, all of it. I thought the music selection was great. I thought the story was interesting. I thought all the performances were great. Um, And I think, you know, I kind of referenced it a little bit in the first half. I was sympathetic to um, Jesse in Come On, Come On, Mm -hmm. you know. But I felt more empathy for Jamie. Mm. I think because because he's older, I can relate to him more. Makes sense. When you're talking about a child, like an actual child, which Jamie is a child, but you're becoming an adult at that age. You're on in that gray area, right. you know, where a hundred years ago you would have been an adult, but now, you know, you're not. Um, Jesse and Come On, Come On is objectively a child. And so I feel sympathy for him. I feel sad for him. But I can't relate to him as much because he's so young right. that his level of agency and autonomy is very, 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 very limited. 
Whereas Jamie is in a position and and an age to be able to try to kind of shape some of his reality and kind well, and of he's pushing the boundaries. I mean, he yeah. he takes off and goes to a show without really telling his the mom. the fucking germs. There you go, right? Um, uh, he, and, and eventually builds into a sort of road trip moment where yeah. he takes off with Julie. Which he's been trying to take with any woman that would take it with. <laughs> <laughs> Tries to take that road trip with Julie and then Abby later. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's more empathy that I can feel for him because I can connect with him a little more. I get that. Um, I get and that. I can also just personally like relate to having an easier time connecting with the women in your life than the men in your life, you know? So I mm-hmm. I felt him on that level as well. Certainly felt him on the unrequited love part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so I just I could I could just really I could just put myself in his position more yeah. and relate to him on a deeper level than I could relate to to I mean I could I definitely could relate to Jesse and honestly I didn't I didn't mention this but the relationship between Jesse and Joaquin Phoenix's character whose name I can't remember uh, Johnny Johnny um, even though their age difference is significantly more it reminded me a lot of my relationship with my younger brother. And their dynamic was very similar in a way because mm. I was certainly yeah. growing up more of a parent figure yeah. in his life than I was like a peer. Right. So I could relate to a cool uncle. But then again, well, but yeah, I wasn't that cool. Um, Lame uncle. It was more disciplinary. Carb uncle. You know, um, but I, but so I could relate to Johnny more, you know, Horrible. in that, I guess a little bit, but then I don't know. So that one, it just kind of, yeah. I was in a lot of different places in come on, come on. And I found myself, I get it. I th- fraction between different characters. And in this one, it's like, I can fucking relate to this. Character. I think I found characters to align with in each of these films, but I understand where you're coming from. Like Johnny, I found very relatable. Um, le- less so I was not dialing into the uh you know Woody Norman in the same way in in the film like I related to him as as a child and the parenting stuff landed in yeah. that way yeah, like yeah. having to have difficult sense. conversations with kids <laughs> trying to figure out how to present it in ways that really, yeah you know, learning as you go yeah. not a parent also, can't also yeah, the relationship with Viv you know like the, as a sibling relationship mm-hmm. I could relate to the like needing something out of your sibling, them not quite being able to get it, having this kind of... And that's probably another thing for me too, is like I do have a sibling, but I don't have a sibling relationship with them. So I can't relate to having a sibling that you're on a peer level with. There were two two things in the film that that I took a little bit of an issue with, but what I liked about it was this notion that the boarding house that they have Essentially, like Airbnb before Airbnb existed, but they live in there permanently. Um, creates this village, and Annette Benning, I, I guess, I mean, it, it is 1979, 1979, and events in 1979. The the music that was there, the the she she begins narrating future mindedly. They don't realize that Punk's about to die. They don't. Yeah. They they can't even fathom that AIDS is about to come. They mm. like. And so I thought that was fascinating because that's yeah. true of where we are now. We don't know where the future is going to sure, go. But right. that boarding house created this little village, and Annette Benning is very aware of her single momedness yeah. and and invites or requests that the rest of the people in the home take an active role yeah. in raising her son. Yeah. yeah. 
that she didn't need to do because the they were kind of already doing they were already, they were already doing, doing, it, doing right. it and and the Greta Gerwig but character. there's like an intentionality to to the character Dorothea I think yeah. like that is I, I think that's true he based this on his own mom and I imagine she was like this way and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of what he likes about Viv and mm-hmm. or w- w- some of the, the the positive qualities that you see in Viv in the film is like she's very emotionally honest she wants people to understand what it is that she's asking of them she wants to be very plain spoken about it and not code things for her son you know in the way that so i I think there's kind of a parallel there because i do think that's like kind of the running theme in mill's work that i see is this interest in like how bad we are sometimes at expressing emotion how we can do better at it and how when we are able to sort of authentically connect with one another over how we feel and what we expect out of the relationship that things go much better and that there is this like opportunity to heal all wounds right i mean like anything through talk through the ability to connect we can get to that thing i mean his films are really about communication in this weird way that um watching these two films back to back it really sunk in for me where i'm like i mean he's just really interested in these small moments where if you had more closed characters the relationships would just die. Like these, yeah. they, they wouldn't be able to overcome these things. But because you have somebody like Dorothea who actually wants to be very deliberate about it and talk about it, well, they have this moment and they're. And but they're she able can't. To but she can't ever fully say. She can't ever fully articulate why she's doing the things she's doing. She's she always finds herself in this place where she's about to say it, and she kind of takes too long, True. and Jamie storms off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so the fact that she is conflicted in that way and finds herself in this kind of like gray area. Well, she wants him to have freedom. She she wants me, but she also wants there to be some kind of boundary to it. And where does that boundary exist? But but because she opens it up to the entire, to the handful of people that live there, it's, I want him to be a good man. And then each of them individually begin trying to give them their instruction on that topic. Yes. So the Greta Gerwig character, who's a a hyper-feminist, in the in a film role kind she, of way, she's that like you know twenty something, still very much an idealist in many ways. Yeah. Although has had some harsh reality dealt to her, so I mean you know obviously I mean, cervical cancer at that age is a pretty harsh reality. Right, to, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, certainly. And I like um, those those like seventies little pockets and pictures of. I was given this drug. My mother was given this drug yeah. for infertility, Dude, and we didn't learn brutal. until later that the, the daughters and of then the mother these, cuts her off. Can you imagine being that mom too? Like, and then she yeah. cuts off the daughter, though. Can you? I mean, well, I mean, I uh, yeah, a coping mechanism of like trying to deal with the overwhelming like I, guilt that right, you right this feel. thing that I did that's terrible. Well, I'm just going to cut you off. I, I mean, did this thing so that I could have you, and then the thing but, that I did to have you has also is going to scar been you for detrimental life. to you, you know? and. And the only way I can deal with that is by pretending you don't exist. I mean, that's yeah. th- that's a cruel reality. Right. No, you're right. But but oh, uh, but it, on the idealist front, her, her feminism, her right. feminism. Not only that, as a sexual being, is uh, right. the, the requirement that you need to understand clitoral stimulation and right. it's important right. in the manufacture of a female orgasm. Right. I thought that was hilarious and brilliant and true. Well, and then the best he goes scene to the I've play, ever seen in a movie. Go ahead, go the ahead. best scene I've ever seen in a movie is right. a mom asking her child, what was the reason for the fight? And the child simply says, clitoral stimulation. stimulation. I, David Gurney, cackled at that. Yeah, I was, was alone, David Gurney, David Gurney I was alone at it. in my living room uh-huh. howling <laughs> at the TV as it was happening. It mm-hmm. was so... So but the human reality funny. of the boy that beats him up because he's over there, you know, two guys at the at the skate park. Right. Yeah, totally drilled her. 
Yeah. Uh, did, she, you, did you did you uh, stimulate the clitoris as required? <laughs> and, and, and this kid, the other kid, doesn't even know what. No that, idea. I don't even happening. know what those words are. So he beats up our protagonist yeah. here. He's well, wearing a talking well, head shirt real too. behavior. Well, yeah, mm. and but because Jamie has exposed him for the inept and inadequate lover that he is. And wow. prior to talking to Jamie, he thought he was the big shit, the yeah. fucking man about town. and yeah. was like the alpha male. And Jamie's like, Hey, you actually don't know shit about this. Right. And he was, Here's, here were my two little problems. If you don't, if, if you're ready for them, number one, they use waiting. an effect where the car driving usually amazing turns into this like colorful, yeah. hippie, trippy it. thing. I thought it was distracting and pretentious. Mm. I oh, thought it was God, like this, telegraphed notion of I'm being arty right now look it's a, it's a long strange trip my man I I, th- I think it's more evocative the drug use wasn't a part of this film I think it's no. more evocative of the way that it feels when you're that age and you're going off in a car with people your own age to go to a show to drive up the coast to do something on your own I think it's more about the like the energy, the vitality of a moment like that. So I didn't think it was useless. I didn't think it had no purpose, no function for the narrative. Um, I, I saw a pretty clear function, so it didn't bother me. But I can imagine if I hadn't seen that connection, I would have been like, why are you doing this gimmick? Right. I, but well, it's I, almost, I liked it. It's I almost a it. commentary on how in youth, the like euphoria of experience is more easily accessible than when you get older. And when you get older, you do have to start using these other substances to try to achieve that same level of heightenedness. Are you as talking you... about Viagra? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, later, later, later. Yeah. Later. Okay. There's, there's yeah. stuff... That's what you graduate to, David. <laughs> there's, it starts with weed, yeah. and then it goes to... And then eventually the, morphine. You know, the second one the, was, I, I hoped, as I was watching it, I watched this after I saw Come On, Come On, that there would be some kind of reconnection with uh, Annette Benning, the mother, and the, and the son. Because... The film, I suppose, presents that the meddling of the village distanced the mo- the mother and the son, did the opposite of what her intention was. Because then there is this, like, let's get back together scene in a vineyard after they take a road trip that really is... A, after after the son and the, the girl he's in love Julia, with, yeah. Julie, Julia. take a road trip that ends poorly, the mom goes to retrieve him with the rest of the village. And they... Um, have this one-on-one scene in a vineyard where I, I thought we were doing okay, just the two of us. You did? I did. And then to me that well, was too on the did. nose and could have been done better. a little more creatively where it's, it's, it's less on the nose. But hmm. two very small little details in an otherwise film that I always like these episodes where it's two films we haven't seen. None of us have seen the new release. Right. And then when we go back in time for... I, I, all three of us saw this one for the first time. Yeah, I, I loved it. it. It found two fantastic new movies, yeah. and I very much intend on watching Mills's other two movies to just catch up. And, yeah, and yeah. I'm enjoying I like... this filmmaker and felt that from sorry felt from this movie, um, 20th Century Women to Come On, Come On. You see this interesting, clear evolution of filmmaking ability and technique in a very, very forward, positive way, and also exploring many of the same themes the power of family mother-son relationships um surrogate uncle relationships not so much in this 20th century woman but mm, you can William. see what yeah, yeah, right but it's yeah. but you can see him wanting to tell very specific types of human stories that are to me are a fantastic fantastic diversion from the blockbuster fair that we'll sometimes do 
Yeah, yeah. we need small Love films too. Year. We need we need small intimate films yeah. too. And, Two good and ones tonight. I I agree. I think I think Mills has a gift. I may go back and watch those earlier films, which I was not as impressed. But I mean, I thought they were fine. But th- that's why I hadn't seen Twentieth Century Women. Sure. I was like, okay, I kind of figured out. I don't really think this guy is yeah. all that connecting with me at any rate. But yeah. man, was I wrong! I think Twentieth Century Woman would have hit me hard had I went and saw it in the theater back in 2016 when it when it got released. Um, like Carlos said, the soundtrack, the whole th- that era that it's capturing, I kind of like it gets into some of the minutiae of that. Like punk had exploded, but punk was a very broad thing that could include the Talking Heads and Black Flag, and yet people within Injuries. the community had their own ideas about what you know. There was the hardcore stuff on the West Coast, which is what he was actually you know I guess privy to. But then there was the artier stuff and. It's just it's a fascinating little moment, and that he he kind of remembers it, and it was an important one for him. I think it it's great that he told the story set in that moment, but at its core, like you say, it's a very relatable film about very understandable mother son surrogate families. These kind of like you know cobbled together groups of people, how they come together. I really like the Greta Gerwig character a lot. So I, good. Yeah, I mean like because she like we said talking she's, about dyeing her hair after she saw the man who fell to earth. Come yeah. on, <laughs> and right introducing to him to the raincoats and defending the raincoats to the mm. mother. And you know the, uh, it, the, there's some really sweet scenes, some really funny scenes. Um, and well, also, what about the scene where uh, the mother. And William are trying to William dance to Black are trying to figure mm-hmm. out what the difference is what it between is Black Flag and, and the Talking, talking Heads. heads. Yeah. yeah, it was it's great. Yeah. Great, it's great. Yeah. I, I love. I love as the, a parent, you can relate to that. I loved that earlier in the film they use the um, Talking Head song. I think it's called like "Don't Trust the Government" or something. But the it's about the apartment he lives in. Or yeah. Like, My building has every convenience. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. fucking love that song. Oh, it's a great I song. I was so glad that they used that one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could have used Psycho Killer, which would have been really, <laughs> really on the nose as yeah. far as like talking head selections go, but they, right. they went a little no, deeper they, than they that, went which deeper, I liked. Yeah. And also they could have used Lexicon Devil for the germs and they didn't do sure, that. No. They used a deeper kind. So I, they I, they I appreciate did. all those things. They did uh, go with it. Nervous Breakdown for uh, Black Flag, but... At least it wasn't Rise Above, which I know wouldn't have made sense chronologically. No, but like, right. You know, it's, it, this is pre Rollins, but well, I know, flag. I know. Yeah. But many a film would have not given a shit and just been like, "You got to use the That's popular true. one." That's you know, funny. Whatever. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot to love about the film, and I and I get where Joe's coming from. I the 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 visual stuff with the, with the car didn't bother me at all. I like both of these films <laughs> include that like reading of passages from different things, like yeah. and, and come and on, come on, he's reading the actual the on the yeah screen. The, I mean, and it was in 20th Century Woman, right? When they they shows the clip from Koyana yeah, Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love I love when he does that, and I think he does it with purpose. I think that those things are there. In particular, I mean, the story that he reads in uh, Come On, Come On that they use for the trailer, mm-hmm. I think is a pretty you know about the beauty of life and how strange yeah. a thing it is. And very, all that. very good. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's a quirky director. Maybe not as quirky as his wife. Who, who I probably love just a little bit more. Who's his but wife? Miranda July. Oh, okay. Um, who, Kajillionaire. We, yeah, we yeah, did that. Yeah, me, you, and everyone we know. Uh, I didn't know they were married. Yeah. That, um, with a child, I believe. But anyway. And Jesse Plemons <clears throat> and Kirsten Dunst are married? Who no one told ah. <laughs> They're engaged, but it's fine. Right, Although, well, we, after hours. All right. After hours. The, but the bottom line is universal praise on this one. If you haven't seen yeah. 20th Century Women... 
what are you waiting for? This is a film that's going to please you. And, and you know, perhaps because we all agree on it, it's the one you should see first. Yeah, no, uh, Come On, Come On is a superior film. See Come On, Come On in the theater if you get the chance. I, I do think Maybe it was... see this one first, though. Yeah. Might prime you a little more. Do you know what my favorite part of 20th Century Woman was? Tell me. Whenever Greta Gerwig looks at everyone at the... At the, the dining room party, table yeah. and says, we really are some 20th century women, aren't we? <laughs> it's in it. That does. Which that doesn't, was, which doesn't happen. That's, but that does happen in come on, come on. And I fucking hated that. You hated it when he oh, said, come on, oh, come on, come on. God, oh, I thought that you. was, I thought that was nice. I hated it. Oh, it was so bad. It didn't even make any sense in the context of what he was saying. Oh, no, was like, he was nobody saying, would actually like, say that. You have these plans. You think you're going to do the thing, but then come on, the reality happened. He had a it's healthy like, dose of this 13.2 ABV, on, and now the truth on, is on. coming oh, out. Oh, I think there was a truth in that. I no, I, know. I, this I just forgot to mention that. Carlos is... That, that, that is in one that I'm going to call Carlos is totally wrong. Ten years from now, he'll listen to that, and he'll be like, Yeah, didn't I say I earlier I'm in, in tune When he's re-watching it with Kylie and, and have tearing a, up in the way that... People have a different opinion. Uh, I'm more forgiving of that. That was just stupid. <laughs> it's corny. That's so corny and hackney to no. do that. Yeah, we can agree or disagree. It's but like it's like the scene where Robert De Niro looks in the mirror and goes, "I'm the taxi driver." <laughs> you talking to me? You need a taxi? I'm the taxi driver. <laughs> it's when <laughs> Eli Roth <laughs> looks <laughs> at everyone and goes, "We really are some inglorious bastards." <laughs> All right. I feel like I got a little cabin Jeez. fever. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's it, corny. It's it's like when we say call Ghostbusters. Well, you can't call that movie. We are the we right. are the glorious bastards. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> We're in the inglorious bastards. Well, speaking of thirteen point two ABVs. Yeah, speaking this one of is nice. Inglorious. Yeah. The Goose Island Bourbon County brand fourteen stout. Of course, this comes out every year. It makes a big splash in the craft beer community. Did you get them? Did you get them? Did you get them? What'd you get? Did you get all the variants? I saw all the pictures on Facebook uh, in different beer groups that I'm in. I got this many, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year. It's one of those events in the beer world. It is. It, it is. is. And, and I felt like it wasn't as big this year. It was weird this year here, at least, because the place I normally go to to get this stuff didn't end up really getting it. I mean, Oh, but they did, though, didn't they? Kind After of. hours, patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast. Kind of. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't have 14. Money, I didn't have access, which other people in town did who go to different liquor stores. Um, you know, I, it, it's, it was interesting. The, the distribution always kind of has me scratching my head on, on these things where some... I can remember some years where... Our local HEB ended up with a couple different variants yeah, that the they were, you store. know, putting out there, which is that I saw none on the shelves this year. So right. Yeah. Who well, what do you think of this one? It's uh, what do we? Let's go through those adjuncts again because so some, you got the some cinnamon. Of them are very on the nose. The Chinese cinnamon. Yeah. The cassia bark. I thought that came through. I like that. Strong. Mm-hmm. The coconut water for sure. I could taste in there, well, and. That- and kind of distinctly coconut water. I'm glad that they're that explicit on it because it has that kind of. I don't know what it is about coconut water, but it has the flavor of coconut, the essence of coconut, but it also has something unique to coconut water that I wouldn't be able to... I am not a fan of coconut water. Yeah, On its own, no. Yeah, definitely not. I'm not okay with it, but but I liked it in here, too. You didn't like that. 
I, I, I liked it. Yeah, Keep I liked going. it. Okay. And well, and no, no, cacao I'm not nib, a fan of cacao nib. I'm not a fan. Probably of was water, in there, but, I, but honestly, I'm, with that, with with a typical hefty imperial stout, I'm already getting chocolate notes, so yeah. it's a little bit hard for me to say, oh yeah, that's cacao nib versus what I'd get anyway. I think it's just making the chocolate come through yeah, stronger. Sure. Maybe. Okay. Punching it up. Yeah. It's I'm not. A, I'm not averse to the coconut water in here. Okay. But yeah, you can tell that it's got a different kind of almost texture because probably that the coconut water is in there. Yeah. This is a big mouthful of cinnamon and I'm not liking it very much. Really? Yeah, you, too much cinnamon? You said it was uh, strong on the cinnamon. This is like a glass full of cinnamon. You know wow. that challenge? I mean, where I, they I say, definitely yeah, the yeah, cinnamon yeah. is coming through, but it does not that feel challenge overpowering. That you should put the cinnamon challenge, yes, right. Cinnamon a, in your a, mouth. A tablespoon it, of cinnamon in right. your mouth. Yeah. yeah I'm Ground, almost having that challenge it, right now. I'm challenged by No, you can't do it i mean it's no. a physically you can't get yourself to it's like eating six 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 saltine crackers in under a minute because you can't drink water right i no. mean like yeah if you, i mean if you could you know chug it down with some water okay maybe yeah but just trying to put that it's going to sap the saliva right out of yeah, your mouth you're going to end up with this dry mouth that you can't yeah yeah Terrible. uh i thought this beer was great uh loved it would drink it again 100 oh yeah no this is this is top notch this is like that kentucky fog in many ways like thank you just, Devin. Yes, absolutely. Um, shouts out. I thank Devin for the rarity in our market. Thank you very much. But I, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I, You know, to me, it's good cinnamon. But I think also, because I've said this, I've complained when we've had beers where it's like, I'll say, oh, there's not enough coconut. And you guys are like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? There's the shit, ridiculous. It, it, yeah, it may be that my palate is a little bit muted or something and i just need flavors to be amped up to the point where i'm really tasting we are three friends in this room two of us loved come on come on we're going to recommend it to everyone that we know and one of them didn't like it quite as much Mm. that's where we are with this beer right now you two are loving it i'm so glad that you are but in that that, the strange fun interesting Mm -hmm. part of these talks every single week is how there's a uh a a difference in opinion that sometimes is even difficult to articulate Sure. Yeah, it's just interesting how sometimes you guys are wrong and I'm not. <laughs> okay. It, that happens occasionally. Sure. Not tonight, but occasionally. Hey, come on, come on, Carl. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Well, this is a fun episode, though. I'm so glad that we uh, chose the, the second Mike Mills films that we did. Yeah. Because that was a treat. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and as I said, I, th- I think I'll go back and watch those earlier yeah, films. Definitely. And probably get more out of them now. Yeah. For sure. Um, I would love for all of our listeners to chime in and tell David and Joe how right I am about everything all the time. Um, no, I'm just kidding. The great thing about this podcast is that the episode doesn't end when the episode ends. It continues. The discussion continues uh, <clears throat> on all of our various social media channels. So you can find us um on any of them, your favorites, uh, Twitter at beer movie show, Instagram at beer and a movie, facebook.com slash beer and movie TX beer and movie podcast.com is where you can find the beer map that was referenced earlier in the show where apparently I couldn't find a thing that I should have been able to find. And patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast, as we mentioned before, is where we're going to talk about all of the juicy tidbits behind the bourbon County lore amongst the three of us. We're going to find gonna, out how Jesse Plemons stacks up against uh, Adam, Driver. Adam Driver. We're going to talk right. about that. Um, 
We're not going to talk about the Beatles documentary because I haven't gotten far enough yet. I'm prepared. But I'm still I'm, I'm still making my way through that. Um, I'm also curious about what we're going to watch next week, which we typically cover we'll, in After we'll Hours. Be yeah, we'll typically that, yeah. Uh, touch on that a little bit. Uh, so that's where that's all going to go down. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. When you subscribe, you're the first to know about new episodes when they come out. But rating and reviewing helps the algorithm do what it do and helps put us in front of more beer and movie enthusiasts that are searching for new podcasts on that app. Um, and I think that about covers it. Uh, until next time. I don't know if we ever figure our lives out and the people who help you, they might not be who you thought or wanted. They might just be the people who show up. (laughs) 